Your martial arts movie podcast. Aha! I threw that shit before I walked in the room! Featuring Drunken Thai boxer, Will. Too bad you will die. The also drunken wrestler, Mark. I said I don't want trouble. And drunken karate master, Zero. You've lost your boss. And now, call, call, call. I don't come You know, baby. Fists of fail. Alright, so my piece of advice to anyone who's going to be watching this film on Haya is not to watch the English dub. Oh, no. Do not watch the English dub. <laughs> and I mean, like, I mean, you, you guys are sensible. You, you guys are listening to our podcast. I'm assuming some of you guys are, most of you guys are cinephiles in some way or form or just action. Oh, there's movie heads. So you know not to watch the English dub if you have an option. I watched the English dub knowing full well there was a Chinese dub. I don't know why I did that. Wait, wait, what do you mean knowing it was a Chinese so, dub? So Haya has both versions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, well, knowing I, that there was a Chinese. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, it has both versions. I watched <laughs> both, uh, was it Cantonese dubs each time? Uh-huh. So what's what's so bad about the English dub, oh, it's, Will? It's terrible. It is quite literally night and day. The movie is so bad in English. <laughs> it. So I, I watched this movie three times. Mm-hmm. Three times. Watch it twice in English. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying how much you liked the movie. And I just could not understand it. I'm like, what are you talking about, Zero? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, the movie's so slow and boring. There's no score. Actually, no, that's not. There's no, no, no actually, no. Yeah, I'm, I take that back. There is no score. There's only one tune. That one melody that plays over and yes, over. That very sleepy, sad melody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the same, the same six yeah. notes over yeah, same and over. Same track over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's made them especially worse because in the English dub, however they did the uh, uh, the sound mixing or sound design, they you could, you could tell someone just recorded the original sound on like, like they played the original Chinese track mm-hmm. and just recorded it on their Walkman or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> and then they put it into the movie, and, and like and then they just dubbed English over on top of that. It sounds Oof. so bad. Oh boy. And there's no other score. There's no other music. No no other musical accompaniments. It just sounds so bad. And when there's no score at all, it's an incredibly quiet film. Yeah. Uh. So that's the English version. Mm-hmm. The Chinese version, the original version. For one, I didn't even know it was it was a Cantonese movie. I should have suspected, but yeah, like I, I would have just watched that instead because I obviously speak and understand Cantonese. But yeah, watching, I'm like, why the fuck did I watch the English version twice? <laughs> this is why? significantly why? better. I don't know. I don't know. You never do that. I almost I never, never do, do that. that. I only <laughs> do that sometimes when I already have a really really good understanding of the story. And I just need to watch it for a refresher before we record this podcast. And I kind of want to do something in the background, but I want to listen to what is happening with the characters and maybe just get an alternative sense of an English dub. Because sometimes they're not horrible. 
Yeah, but I, I it sounds like that was not the case here. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason for why I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought, hey, maybe we'll check out the English dub. I also thought it was going to be in Mandarin at first. So that's why I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'll just watch it. You, in, you turned it English. on and, and suddenly you're like, I understand Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just a, an expert this whole time. Uh, no, I, I I watched it in Cantonese. I, it fixes a lot of the issues. I don't. I still don't love the movie, but that might be because it's been tarnished with my <laughs> English dub experience. But uh, so the we're sword. talking about the sword. Yes, nineteen eighties the sword, mm-hmm. and this is really interesting. It's really different. It's not like any other movie we would ever probably talk about. I believe mm. the director, Patrick Tam, this might be one of his only action movies, martial arts movies, wuxia movies. Yep. Because when you look at the direction of this movie, this does not feel like a normal action movie director handled it. It feels very, very different mm-hmm. with the shot composition, with the editing, and even with how complicated the characters are all intertwined and ultimately um, affect each other. Yeah. You know what this movie is? It's it's unique uh, in that for, for a Chinese film or a Hong Kong production for a story of this sort to take place in, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be abnormal at all if it took place in Japan or if this was a Japanese film because this is a Chinese Chambara film. Yeah. This is a man. samurai movie. Yeah, when I was watching the cinematography a little closer and looking at the fight scenes, there's you have the typical stare downs, the shot reverse shot of yep. the characters, the reactions to other reactions, and then the parallel motions going on with mm-hmm. the within the fight scenes. And I was like, huh, this looks this is reminding me of uh, kind of like Super Sentai type stuff. But then obviously <laughs> that is that is inspired by Chambra films. And I okay. started to realize like, oh, okay, this is this is not so much a Chinese wuxia film, but it's it feels very inspired by Japanese samurai movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking to, you know, it's, it's samurai, like a lot of Japanese films from the, the 70s in their action category, uh, even to the story down to the wire like it almost feels like something of that caliber too so what is the story (laughs) the story is maybe i should take it because i talked about it three i watched the movie three times no you you can do it you can do it Uh, the story is about a swordsman who wants to fight an evil man (laughs) but the swordsman throws his sword into the sea after fighting because he wants to live in peace man no you have to read the you have to read the whole description (laughs) You have to read the whole description. That is the whole description. No, the film is set in the ancient city of the Song Dynasty. It was filmed in a provincial town in Shandong Province, China. That is the full description. Man, bravo to that Wikipedia editor for like, <laughs> for like, simmering down the story into a you know a thick sludge of two <laughs> sentences. No, man, this. This story is so complicated, um, Mm -hmm. but the gist of it is about a man who wants to test his swords fighting skills against a kind of legendary master swordsman, and he's trying to seek him out. And 
in doing so, he runs into various characters who are all who he actually all gets intertwined with with their lives and in because of these strange coincidences everybody is sort of affecting everybody in how he is ultimately trying to find this swordsman and test his skills against him yeah kind of a even 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 more simplified version of the story but that kind of fleshes it out a little more that is very simplified um yeah and uh, going into it, there, there's the the reason why we, the movie's called the sword is because I mean technically there's two swords, but there's there's one uh, ominous sword that is the I guess the title of the movie. Uh, it, there's an evil sword, and that one is going to spell bad omens for anyone who wields it, or at least for for the legendary swordsman who's introduced very early in the movie. And right, he he decides not to part ways with it uh he he gifts it to a friend and i won't mention any more than that because spoilers but he gifts it away but then the sword one way or another comes back into well his uh, life comes back in yeah his life or the main character's life who's mm-hmm. obviously a different person and that's where like it 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 kind of plays with like destiny and everything saying like you know there's no escaping it like that that sword's gonna you know and also, like the fact that it's ominous isn't the only thing. It's the fact that it's considered a powerful sword, along with this other sword that's also pivotal to the movie. And that that's the, another trait of Japanese cinema that we get that we don't get see a lot in Chinese media, which is like the legendary status of swords, mm. right? Like Japanese okay. media loves to like talk about like legendary weapons. I mean, like like specific. Le- but like what an about actual... the legendary weapons of China? No, no, no. no. That, see, that's that, that movie's about legendary weapons, and that's eat, about like that's, a... that's about all the weapons are legendary. No, it's it's like this is a monk spade. It's a legendary weapon, not like this is the greatest monk spade that's ever been made in the history of China. No, I think Lao Garlong would disagree with you there. Yeah, that is not the point of that movie. Uh, here it is. It's kind of like that, and that that's that's another influence of japanese media or japanese uh cinema uh which is you know we have a sword that's legendary and it's so powerful it can slice a man in half but <laughs> i am i'm definitely jumping the gun here uh, did you but uh yeah so did you notice the repeating patterns in the movie the fact that things will happen various times in theme with what's actually being said with the with the film uh maybe maybe not i don't know i did watch it three times so you have to <laughs> explain so. to me <laughs> so i didn't notice this the first time i kind of noticed this the first time but it became really apparent the second time i watched this is the movie is about how seeking fame and glory can actually be mm. very disil- uh, disillusionary to a person and how that sort of pattern can just loop kind of forever and what's going on with this main character who is seeking glory by battling the swordsman he's actually repeating a pattern that was probably happening to the original legendary swordsman mm-hmm. you'll notice okay. that uh the the first encounter in the the first action scene that happens when we when we meet this random fighter who thinks that the main character is the legendary swordsman they repeat 
similar shots when the main character ultimately meets the swordsman again kind of showing you that oh, oh this is happening over and over again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right um i guess i didn't get that much but i at least in terms of recurring theme but it definitely is a strong theme especially when the character develops or understands that uh, as the movie progresses uh and you know there's along with that comes personal tragedy there's a lot of tragedy that's involved in the story in the movie very heavily a tragedy (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, again uh very similar to i I keep on saying you know the samurai film but you know like you're going to get that kind of even the ending i thought was very like akin to something like uh oh like something that you see in the you know like the 70s or like japanese films um you know like where a, a warrior is he he does so much and he real he learns a, a valuable lesson but you know it's too at, at that point like he has to suffer the consequences of his actions and you know it's kind of like a chain a chain reaction going on here mm-hmm. and i guess the only other part of the story that we didn't really mention before was that there is uh and this might be important because we have to set up the the quote-unquote villain in the movie i mean he is the villain of the movie uh played by norman chu um but he is the now husband of Adam Chang, who is the, uh, uh, not Adam Chang, <laughs> uh, Adam Chang's uh, childhood friend. Adam Chang is the main character of the movie. And um, yeah, so like there's a there's almost like a, a tacit rivalry set up in the very beginning. But it turns out that, you know, that this print man also is a, you know, like he also is an expert in swords. You know, he's set up pretty early in the movie, you know, like he, he, he fancies himself as a swords collector and he's also trying to get these swords as well everyone in the end is trying to get these swords mm-hmm. uh or like you know find the 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 legendary swordsman um so yeah it's, it's like a journey and also like we meet all these other characters that you mentioned before like there's this other like potential love interest character i thought was, was what the setup was and then it just kind of immediately put that aside like yeah no that's not happening (laughs) yeah it's really strange that they introduced this woman early on and you they set it up for her to be the love interest and it's weird this this goes it back into the doubling and the repeating patterns when when they first stay in this inn you notice that she is very eager to enter his i guess you could say his the inn he's staying in and he's kind of trying to shoo her away and then when she leaves he finds out that his childhood friend is staying at a different room and he mm-hmm. does the same thing like that pattern repeats again yeah. and you, you start to see how how strangely the characters are connected to each other because yeah. then there's a there's a third woman in the movie who seems like she kind of comes out of nowhere but I'll point out this detail because I didn't realize this, and this comes back into kind of how everything keeps on repeating. She mentions in one quick line that she saved the legendary swordsman from dying like a long time ago. So he has given her like all this wealth, and he he's the one who that gives her the sword. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of interesting how she connects to the main character because she kind of stumbles upon him and then they become intertwined as well so it's it's weird how all these characters are connected i don't want to go too into it because it's kind of interesting to see it unfold but when i know when i first watched it i was 
really, really confused by everything. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I Well, I mean, even on my first watch, I just watched it three times for an, an abnormal amount of times. <laughs> um, but even on my first watch, I didn't find it necessarily confusing. Um, but I did find uh the movie went in a lot of different directions um but ultimately at least like it comes to a satisfying not satisfying but like comes to a conclusive ending like everything what there was not any wasted moments in terms of setting up the 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 final payoff of the film yeah uh, yeah so like i mean that's what you want like you don't want like wasted scenes well i mean the movie's slow and uh, and that's that's not necessarily a bad thing it takes its time it you it's know it requires a little so... bit of patience strange whenever mm-hmm. we get to a conversation between two characters because the conversations happen in real time it feels like real conversations and you have no music sometimes so you just sit with the characters and sometimes you just have to really focus on the cinematography because sometimes you'll see the camera is moving in a way to constantly switch characters on screen or the characters are constantly moving to different locations on the screen it's almost like a stage play or it's almost like the director is intentionally trying to put characters in certain places to kind of say something different about their position in a conversation mm-hmm. like I'll no- i noticed it like the second time around when two of the characters were talking you constantly saw that one character was constantly trying to get to the right side of the screen and another character kept on like getting in the way or the camera kept on moving to change it and i thought oh wow that's really interesting i thought they were just kind of randomly moving around the room but it actually kind (laughs) of worked into the conversation like that yeah there's more dynamic dynamicism i can't say that word but yeah there's more dynamicism in the uh cinematography in the movie and if you're definitely honing in on the silence during some of these dialogue heavy scenes you're definitely going to notice them in the english dub i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stop talking about the english dubs (laughs) because it's just significantly a worse experience do not watch the english dub so Uh, if you're if you find yourself nodding off during some of these long conversations you might be shocked when the director's like okay enough talk somebody's gonna crash through the fucking window now and just surprise you with some action because yeah man the pacing of this movie is so wildly all over the place it'll go from lulls because we're getting these intimate dialogues between characters and then suddenly bam zero to 90 someone bursts through the wall and then we get a fight scene (laughs) and you're just like whoa 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 hold on hold on hold on yeah, and that person you're talking about is a uh, an assassin or bodyguard, and he's played by Eddie Coe, who we just talked about in The Miracle Fighters. <laughs> so you were saying in that episode, like, oh, have we ever talked about Eddie Coe? I'm like, I'm sure we have. Hey, so here, here we, we are talking about him again. <laughs> uh, he doesn't. He has one line of dialogue in the entire movie. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Man, like. So I think this can segue us into the fight scenes now. Sure, yeah. And we, mm-hmm. and, uh, we can start specifically since we're talking about Eddie Coe. So mm-hmm. he is the husband's hired henchman or assassin or whatever yeah. you want to call it. And it's interesting because I feel that they're really trying to make the fights visually distinctive 
even though sometimes the choreography is not really that interesting or complicated. Mm. So when you have the fights with the assassin, they really make him out to be a person who can disappear into his environment. He can use the shadows and he can actually literally hide off screen or off frame or use editing to his advantage. Yeah. Kind of like a ninja. I mean, you, ninja, you saying uh-huh. that this is inspired, probably inspired by Japanese film. This is, he's probably supposed to be a ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Um, it feels like, you know, we're taking a, a, a fright from the textbook of, you know, Japanese uh, film. Um, so like, I wasn't surprised to see it. I mean, I, I, I guess I was surprised to see that, but pleasantly surprised that we're, we're going to, you know, incorporate all that. But the movie never really loses, not fully loses its, its Chinese Kung Fu um, or Chinese martial arts identity you know, in terms of the, the choreography, right? Cause it'd be one thing if they are just clashing swords and then they, they, they go into their, the little stare off, you know, like they're just basically standing you know, standing in different sides of the room. We just have cl- ex- extreme close-ups of their eyes Again, very similar to the samurai films. Um, when we get that here, we definitely do. But uh, at, when it comes to the the sword play, it still feels like uh, you know a movie of well, I don't want to say of its era because this movie came out in 1980. <laughs> it feels like a I'd say it almost feels like a early 70s uh, Hong Kong film, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right. It's it's kind of strange because we don't get the law the Minus the ending, we don't get really long, drawn-out choreography where you sit on these shots of people just exchanging blows for forever. Yep. We actually get a wide variety of shots, mm-hmm. camera all over the place, but not in a bad way. This this is the kind of shaky cam and over-editing I actually like because the shakiness is not to an extent where you're where the character is in an earthquake, where the cameraman is in an earthquake, I mean. It is waving around, and it feels like we're getting just big notions of what's supposed to happen with the action, but surprisingly, the composition is so clear, and the moves never get complicated. They're actually very simple at times when they're doing these fast cuts, but I feel that's in service of not trying to make us feel like the choreography is so complicated it more so i feel like they're just going for a feeling of these are the motions this is what's happening with the fights this this is our these are our characters moving around their environment and then it's Mm -hmm. kind of over really quickly we have a lot of little skirmishes throughout this movie like a a lot but then Mm -hmm. there are then there's just like maybe select moments where the fight actually kind of stretches itself and goes on for a little longer which feels more like a natural hong kong film yeah uh i actually think the f- the fights in the film get better towards the end i oh, actually yes. don't like some of the, the earlier film uh, fights not not that they're bad but rather they're not as visually distinctive they're not as memorable towards the end the the, the last two i can think of they're unique in their own individual ways so, you know I, I won't mention them like why specifically but um you know i do think that the last two would like stand out a lot versus the the rest of the film i feel like the movie's so narrative driven and 
the the fight scenes in between all that are just okay and they're short like you said so there's really not as much to to gleam off of yeah um, i feel like they're short because like you mentioned they're the movie is more narrative driven but they're there because they need to make us understand there is conflict happening between mm-hmm. these characters and it starts to get a little longer and longer as the tension builds between everybody and then ultimately in the end we get what feels like a normal hong kong fight where it's this what um it's not shaw brothers this golden harvest uh, uh, uh um, yeah golden harvest yeah yeah this golden harvest stage where the characters are fighting all over it they're fucking going all over the place they're f- fighting up the stairs they're falling over chairs they're flipping alongside each other then they're going outside but then they're coming back in then they're going outside like it's it's going all over the place and at that point it feels really good because you can feel how tense everything was happening with the main character and that was going on with with the various love interests and you understand how the villain of the movie was kind of i guess undermining him and using the main character was to a disadvantage because he ultimately wanted something that he gets in the end yeah yeah i'm i'm curious uh like in terms of the entire legacy of this movie i mean clearly this movie has enough fans i'm like wondering like if it was this movie an experiment to try to bring a lot of the uh japanese you know like influence it like over and like try and make it a mainstay thing or is it just kind of like a one-off because uh you know again I'm, I'm very intrigued by the the final product here because it's it's so it's clearly inspired by it but uh, and I, I know I'm, I'm kind of beating this over you know being like a dead horse but yeah uh, yeah like the movie is so unique not only in terms of like the storytelling but like the the action too um and it's i feel like it straddles that line pretty well it's it's not it's not so slow to a point where it's like you know they're just standing there all the time uh but we still get a lot of like even even some like viscera some like it, it can get kind of bloody at times and it still looks kind of you know has that 70s-esque like fake blood effect where everything's like bright red just but it's still there it. yeah yeah it's not even ketchup it's just like it's, it's like too watery um well i think yeah this just has to do with the director he yeah. wasn't known for making wuxia films or martial arts films and i don't believe he went on to make any more i think he mm-hmm. kind of made a really interesting first movie really crazy that according this, to imdb yeah I <laughs> yeah this is crazy crazy that it's his first movie but it's really wildly unique i would i'm actually interested in seeking out some of his stuff now just because i like the direction of this movie but uh yeah the action is um i guess like not what i would expect from this time so yeah i think that's what separates it um from the from its contemporaries as well right right yeah um i guess like we can go into this the movie a little bit more i mean we're talking a lot of vagaries but i I mean you kind of you guys kind of understand the general gist of things, but I definitely want to go into more specifics. So anything you want else, anything else you want to add zero? No, let's get into it. So if you want to hear us go into detail about this movie, because there is a lot of detail with the plot, you should consider subscribing to us on Patreon because there you can listen to the full uncut episode with our deeper thoughts on the film and going deeper into the action 
And if you subscribe to a higher tier, you could listen to bonus episodes like, um, what do we have coming up next? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Uh, I, oh, God. I think we have um, Code of the Assassins. Oh, a Hayao I, original. Because oh, we're talking about Hayao movies, and that's, oh, my God. that's an original <laughs> film on the streaming uh, service. I, got, I think I chose that. I don't, I don't remember what we talked about, but it, it, it's there. The episode's there, so you guys can check that out. Uh, all right, with that said, let's talk about uh, The Sword. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We're at the point where we give our recommendations, but there's a whole wealth of audio you would be listening to here if you follow us on Patreon. There you can listen to the entire episode, including an exclusive action breakdown of the fights in the movie. And now on to our final thoughts. And that's the sword. We we just we finally we finally finished. <laughs> that's the sword. Uh, it it's better in Chinese. Of course it is. <laughs> Don't even mention the dub anymore. You've mentioned it so much. Everybody knows the dub shit. Don't watch yes, it. Yes, but don't I, listen to it. No, but I, I was, I'm gonna say like, it, ru- it ruined my experience of the movie. I actually I actually really didn't like the movie until I watched the Chinese version. That helped a lot, but um. Man, I, I guess that's that's on me though. I, I really I don't know what the hell I was doing. Um, interesting film. I'm I think I'm more intrigued by the movie just because of its uh, of like how how unique it is. It, it's so it's so different. Yeah. Right. That's it, why it's... that's why I liked it too. I remember sitting down and thinking, okay, this is this is definitely something special. I just kind of hated the pacing overall because i mentioned Mm. earlier the dialogue scenes just feel like we're really sitting down and listening to people talk (laughs) and it kind of deflates any sort of momentum you feel after the action scenes but then thankfully the director's like okay you're bored let's let's have a man crash (laughs) through through the wall and excite you again so thankfully they had he had the foresight to rev things back up but i wish the pacing wasn't so so many hills and valleys i wish it was a little more even yeah um (laughs) i i think my one one of the only real complaints i have it is a big one for me which i very said before just a, a minute ago which is the score uh the because of the the pacing can be slow i don't necessarily mind that but if you have the same melody playing every two minutes and not not have a lot of variety in between, like it, it makes that pacing seem a lot worse than it actually is, right? Because yeah. you hear that tune over and over. Oh, um, Don't watch uh, Chunking Express. You're going to hate um, California Dreamin' if you watch that movie. Oh, boy. All right. I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> They, they play that, that track way too much in that movie <laughs> <laughs> fucking Wong Kar Wai what the hell are you thinking <laughs> uh, otherwise uh, you really you know it, it's a fun all, no, tragedy <laughs> a fun, fun tragedy uh, no it, it's a fun tragedy movie no it, it's a um, no like it, it's it's very well done in terms of like the 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 efficacy of like the, the tragic story that the, the character all the characters embark on um but yeah, like the and the action and in and in the action department, I thought it was just okay. 
I think the setups, the environments, the uh, like that was more interesting than the actual choreography itself. So if you're 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 looking for a movie with good choreography, I'd say that's not really that kind of, that kind of movie. Um, you might be more interested in seeing like how does someone like get around uh, really um, unorthodox predicaments, I guess. And you know, I, but at least I'd say that the final fight is a little bit more akin to like the kind of choreography that we usually cover and we usually like. So if you guys are interested in that, maybe check that out. Um, but overall I'd say, yeah, the movie's good, but I do think, I do think you have to be in a particular, particular mood to enjoy this film. It's a lot slower. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think this is perfect for a winter watch or a rainy day watch because the music <laughs> sure. is so sad and monotonous <laughs> and weepy, but, you might you know you could feel in the mood for something like that because this is a tragedy this is about somebody seeking glory and it is the emptiness that comes when you reach that goal because ultimately there's nothing there uh, that comes with it so that's kind of what this movie is about so if you're interested in something like that i say check it out because i i enjoyed this movie very much Mm-hmm. And choreography-wise, you're correct. It's not exactly the kind of chore- chore- choreography we like. But I did like the fights because I felt that they were visually distinct from each other. And they, they kind of stood out in my mind, even though mm-hmm. it didn't get so complicated with the moves they were doing, at least in my opinion, until the last fight. Because they just... The main character and then the villain, they fight all over the fucking place. And then it, <laughs> then it gets a little supernatural and what happens with the villain's powers and then it ends <laughs> in a huge shocking surprise to everybody even the care even the the actor himself looks absolutely shocked at what they're doing so yeah it's fun i like yeah. the sword all right well what is that that's the first movie that one of us has been like super ecstatic about in a long time that has been on the high catalog so uh is that going to redeem Haya at the end of the... <laughs> because we're nearing the end of the year now. I, I don't know if anything can re- redeem Haya at this point. But uh, you'll but... have to keep listening to find out because we have our end of year review of the whole streaming service experience coming soon. So yeah, you could uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah, or just, just listen to our episode about Kung Fu Fighters again and you'll know how like this whole experiment has just broken my mind <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>